Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 541. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. Y'all too. We didn't decide who was going to go first. So I was going to say, they've done this before. (laughs) Who's got seniority? Alphabetical order. I'm Mark. I'm here. I exist. (laughs) And I'm Pat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you two are fired. Pam was planning to be on this week but unfortunately there are fires surrounding the bay area once again and she decided to leave her home as a precautionary measure so we feel bad for pam and everybody else who are in the path of these wildfires in california another one sparked up down in the la area today and it's just crazy yeah well we definitely wanted pam to uh, prioritize her safety over the show yeah, well, you did. I said, are you sure you have to skip the episode? <laughs> Californians really have to sit down and, and think, is this worth dealing with every year? I don't know. It's just getting worse and worse. This wasn't always an annual thing, but now it is the past three years in a row. These fires have blown up in San Francisco and Los Angeles. And sure, the weather's great. And there's cool things to take pictures of. And Lord knows I like in and out but... There's a high cost of living. There's an increase in wildfires. LA's folding in on itself with all this traffic. And it's just so busy, so expensive. I don't know if it's worth it. Well, then it seems like the state is burning for what, like six months of the year now. So feels that way. Well, it's also part of the larger issue of climate change. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just really feel for the people who have already lost homes over the course of the last three years of fires and very well maybe gearing up to lose another home this year. And meanwhile, we have a president who doesn't really care because California, the legislature at least, treats him like crap. So he's not really interested in helping California, well, which of if, course... Hey, if they would rake all of the leaves out of their forests... Just rake the leaves. <laughs> I'm going to become mayor after I'm president and do it myself. You guys don't understand. He was in Chicago today, Laura and Mark. Ugh. I'm so and sorry. And he said, <laughs> I, yeah, thank you. Thank you for your sympathy. And he said that Chicago is worse than Afghanistan. What? <laughs> I was like, wow. In what way? I, I think with the crime he was referring to because oh. he was speaking at a police convention. I was like, um, I definitely have my issues with with Chicago, but I don't think it's that bad. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, he's going to be in Atlanta pretty soon. So I can't wait to hear what he has to say about us. Atlanta is worse than ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> Laura and Mark, do you two have Halloween plans? Yeah. 
we're gonna do a scary movie thon on oh, okay. Halloween night. Yeah. Are you inviting people over? Or are we invited? Yeah, no. you guys can. You guys can come. <laughs> just bring mead. Are you inviting people over though? Or is it just like a couple's night? Uh, I don't know that we got that far yeah, in the planning oh. process. Yeah, well, it's like two <laughs> days away, so you might want to decide soon. Ah, yeah. Figure it out. Do you have movies picked out? Um, I'm a fan of a lot of horror classics, so that's what I'm going to be focused on. Mark's usually okay. the one who's good at getting us to watch new things, so we're probably going to try to do a healthy mix of the two. But um, much like the actual plans around who's coming. We haven't really planned that part out either. <laughs> I know we got to watch The Shining because uh, Doctor Sleep's coming yep. out soon. I guess we might do something similar. We're going to a Harry Potter trivia night on Halloween Eve. Uh-huh. So I guess we might dress up. But actually, I was making fun of you for not having plans. I mean, I don't know if I'm dressing up <laughs> for Halloween. It, I just re- don't really care to anymore. I love Halloween. I love decorating for Halloween. I love the spirit, the enthusiasm. But dressing up, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, and our friends who have hosted Halloween now live in Nashville. Mm. So nobody else has like picked up that responsibility yet. So like last year I just watched movies with a friend because Andrew was out of town and this year we'll probably watch or play Luigi's Mansion and mm. that'll be it. Yeah, I think we're gonna play Luigi's Mansion. That'll be mm-hmm. part of it. There you go. New game um, for Nintendo coming out on Halloween. Yeah. But I I feel the same way about dressing up. I love Halloween. It's honestly my favorite holiday. And um, much like Andrew, I love the spirit of it. I love the decorations. I love this time of year. But I'm too damn lazy to dress up and to spend money on a costume. Yeah, especially since we've been doing conventions and are going to be doing conventions more in the future. I feel like that's going to be my dress up event. There you go. Yeah, we say that every year. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So this is going to be a spookier episode of Millennial. We asked listeners to submit their scary stories, real stories, things that have happened to them. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if you don't believe in ghosts now, you might by the end of today's episode. We have some stories that are really shocking. I, I, I'm not a believer in ghosts, but after reading these stories, I don't know. I really don't know. And uh, some of the hosts have also come prepared with their own ghost stories. Yes. Laura says some because I racked my brain and could not come up with one to save my life. You know what? You're not haunted. And that's not something to be ashamed of. (laughs) Yeah, baby. (laughs) Well, I have more than one. So if we do need to fill some space. There we we go. go. (laughs) It's okay, Andrew. No one's haunt shaming you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Of course, after tonight's episode, a ghost is going to come up and scare me while I walk Brooklyn or something like that. I mean, don't you live in a hundred-year-old building? We do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. On last week's episode of After Dark, we kind of had this idea, spur-of-the-moment idea, when we were talking about social media and how we hate that people always share the best of their days on social media. We said, why don't we go on our own social media account, Millennials' social media account, and just tweet the mundane moments in our lives? And Laura, Pam, and I each took a day, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and did just that. And we would like to now reveal who was behind each day because we kept it a mystery. I was day one. I was day two. 
And Pam was day three. I'm speaking for her because she's not here to speak for herself. It was fun to do. (laughs) Yes, it was so much fun. Uh, My favorite part was on day one when Andrew's literally tweeting, like, driving, nowhere in particular, (laughs) or like, (laughs) at Starbucks drinking tea. Somebody (laughs) replied and was like, this sounds like a breakdown. Are you okay? Are you okay, millennial? (laughs) Can we do anything for you? Yeah, if you didn't know what was going on, we did warn people on the Twitter feed, so they just missed that tweet. But uh, thank you for looking out for us, those who were concerned. And doing it, I kind of realized how much I hate that much of my day is boring. I was like hate tweeting by the end of the day, (laughs) but it was still fun to do. And Laura, your tweets were pretty funny as well, I thought. You thought so? Yeah, better than mine. Oh, well, I guess I'm just good at making my boring day seem fun. Me funny i tweeted on wednesday night that i'm at the movies and that made people think it was pam but it was me seeing the new bruce springsteen movie for a second time so special exception made i would normally never go to a movie on a wednesday night though how'd you like it loved it pat saw it too oh you have to check it out (laughs) you don't have to for me it's okay it's okay I'll, i'll do it Oh, thank you very much. Um, We also want to thank everybody who came out to our latest Bay Hangout over on Patreon. We did it on Friday night again because us and evidently our listeners don't have much else to do on a Friday night. But hey, that's super cool. We love it. We're glad you're on the same level as us. Sarah, Sean, Ann, Cassandra, Justin, Luke, Poe, Rex, JY, Kelsey, Ning, and Pauline. Thank you so much for joining us at patreon.com slash millennial. And during our Bay Hangout, it was another fun one, right, Laura? Yeah, this, I feel like was, I, I say this every time, but I feel like this was the most fun one yet. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow, like, we managed to have all these people in there, but we had such a great conversation between all of us. And we learned about um, one person's, like, super interesting job <laughs> and just gives us an opportunity to pick y'all's brains. We love learning about what it is you do. Absolutely. Outside of listening to the show, of course. Laura, this episode, like I said, is spooky, but we did want to keep people abreast of some political news, right? Yeah. So um, you might have all watched a pretty deranged press conference in which President (laughs) Trump announced um, that U.S. Special Forces killed um, ISIS leader Al. uh, He said it three different ways. It was al-Baghdadi. Then Al Baghdadi, <laughs> Baghdadi. Then then El Bagadi. <laughs> so, tomato, tomato, whatever. Right. He's dead now. Who cares? Yeah, one of those people was murdered. Basically, <laughs> um, no. I mean, I, this is a good thing. This was a horrible human being. I mean, we all know the stories of journalists that have been captured over the years and brutally tortured and killed by ISIS. Most of this happened at. Al Baghdadi or Baghdadi, I can't even say his name right Call now. Call him Baghdadi. I yeah. think I think that's funny. <laughs> Baghdadi. <laughs> <laughs> um, but most of these people were tortured and killed at his command. So the world is much better off without him, and we are well rid of him. Um, what I'm concerned about here, though, is that given Trump's movements to pull the U.S. out of Syria, we are leaving a power vacuum for ISIS to make a resurgence. And now that they're without their leader, there's somebody else who will be willing to step in and fill those shoes if we allow that space to remain open. Um, Yeah. 
On top of that, Andrew, you were the first to report this. I'm happy <laughs> oh, to was say. I? In our Did doc. I report it yeah. on Hypable? <laughs> uh, so there will be an impeachment vote probably on Thursday. That's what's being reported at this point. But it's not actually a vote to impeach. It's a vote to establish procedures for continuing the investigation. Yes. So it's yeah. something we're going to be keeping an eye on because it sounds like the particulars haven't really been reported on yet behind this. And it may end up being our breaking news benefit for the month of October. Um, yeah. Yeah. So- we can talk about what happens and what that means and right. how many gaskets Trump is blowing over this latest development. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for that. That'll be available on Patreon. And we're going to be hopping into a Scary Stories Palooza here shortly. But first, we want to make sure you all know that skincare doesn't have to be a nightmare. BioClarity is a clean and green skincare brand that offers routines to keep your skin looking young, healthy, and fresh using only natural and gentle ingredients. And clean skincare doesn't have to cost you an arm and a leg. You'll need those to donate to a chainsaw-wielding murderer this Halloween, after all. BioClarity strives to create affordable options that are healthier for your skin and the environment. Andrew and I have been using BioClarity for almost two years now, and we both swear by it. Right, Andy? Yes, we do. In the spirit of Halloween, I would like to talk about how Step 3, the restore part with Floralux, leaves your face green. For fun, I like to not wash it off in the morning and then go walk (laughs) Brooklyn and see people's reactions. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I'm working from home. Like, I don't I don't shower first thing in the morning. So I just walk out with it and uh, see what people think. Well, that's how you do your Halloween costume this year. <laughs> yeah, I'll double up on the floor luck. So I look extra green. Oh, man. Look like and a real zombie. Because you're killing two birds with one stone there. And then people say, what is wrong with you? And I say, nothing's wrong with me. <laughs> just go to bioclarity.com slash... <laughs> And whatever the code is <laughs> right and then you wash off your face and you're like look at my beautiful skin bitch yeah what's wrong i'm with not a now? zombie i'm beautiful <laughs> they have bioclarity has two routines to fit your skincare needs the clear skin routine for oily or breakout prone skin or the essentials routine for normal skin and everyday use both routines consist of an easy to use three-step regimen that helps improve the look and feel of your skin and it's packed full of detoxifying nutrients. The routines also include that product that Andrew mentioned, Floralux, that contains the chlorophyll from plants. It helps with redness, hyperpigmentation, and evening out skin tone and texture. Get healthier, more radiant skin by going to bioclarity.com. My skin has never been brighter, and even better, these products are actually affordable. And right now, our listeners can save 15% off everything on their website. That's an incredible deal, but you need to enter our code MIL at checkout. That's bioclarity.com and enter code MIL at checkout. Sounds good. All right. So now we're going to hop into our scary stories palooza. Thank you to everybody who wrote in uh, to millennialshow at gmail.com. If you posted on Facebook, sent us DMs on Twitter or Instagram. We read all of your stories. Unfortunately, we don't have enough room in the show to feature them all today, but we may be able to use them in a future installment. These are as good as confessionals are. I was very pleasantly surprised. Everybody really provided some great stories. Yeah. No, some of these were creeping me out. I was like, oh, my God, how do you live where you live? (laughs) (laughs) 
But before we jump into stories from the listeners, myself, Pat, and Mark all had our own scary stories that we wanted to share. Can you turn it down like a little? Yeah. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I wrote mine in narrative form so I could stay on track. So just stick with me. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. I'm going to sit down cross-legged and look up at Miss T. (laughs) So when I was a kid, we went through a year or so period where we moved a lot from Orlando to Chicago, then Chicago to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We were specifically in Grand Prairie in this little duplex home. My friends and I were all obsessed with ghosts, and we loved scaring each other, and we played with Ouija boards, and we played Bloody Mary, and all kinds of shit like that. As we got older, our neighborhood started experiencing gang activity, I have a distinct memory of my mom being out walking the dog, and I heard like a popping sound. And at first I thought it was one of my friends knocking on my window, because they sometimes did that. So I looked at the blinds and saw my mom running back to our house holding the dog in her arms. (sighs) It turned out a group of kids had pulled up to the fire station across the street and started shooting at it. The dog was old, so my mom picked him up and ran home as fast as she could. There was other stuff like my dad's car being broken into, people shining flashlights through my window, and shootings happening at the apartment complex right behind my school that made it pretty clear our neighborhood was going through a rough period. All of these memories are kind of blurred for me, so I can't remember an exact timeline But it was about this time that I thought I was seeing this tall, Grim Reaper-esque figure in a black cloak. (laughs) The weird thing is, my memories surrounding this figure are really hazy, even though a lot of other events from this time in my life stand out clearly. I only remember the first time I saw it in any kind of exact detail. My mom had run to the grocery store in the afternoon. I was young, but definitely old enough to chill at home while my mom ran out for 20 minutes. I was sitting on the floor of our living room playing Crash Bandicoot on my PlayStation, and I wasn't really paying attention to anything else. Then out of nowhere, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up straight. I remember staring straight ahead at the TV and trying to ignore it. But then the hairs on my arms did the same thing. I paused my game and sat for a second before turning and looking over my left shoulder. As I made that turn, I caught a glimpse out of the corner of my eye of this tall, hooded figure walking into my bedroom. It was definitely human-like in stature, apart from being impossibly tall. It had arms, but I couldn't see hands coming out of the sleeves, and if it did have a face, the hood hung so low I wouldn't have been able to see it. And that's where the memory ends. I have no recollection of what I did, or how I reacted, or even if I said anything to my mom right when she got home. Apart from that, I have no concrete memories of seeing it again, but I was always afraid of it. I started sleeping on my back because I never wanted to have my back to it while I was unconscious. I remember lying awake and thinking about all the horrendous potential encounters I could have with this thing that I thought was in my room. It felt like a haze that was just part of my life during that time. 
When the shooting at the fire station happened, I had a convenient excuse to sleep in my parents' bedroom. My mom was at the front of the house, or let me do that again. My room was at the front of the house and had a big picture window, so I started sleeping in my parents' room, largely because of the shooting and not wanting to be at the front of the house and vulnerable to something like that. But there was also the added benefit of not sleeping in my bedroom, and as a result, feeling safe from that black hooded figure. Not too long after that, we found out we were moving to Georgia, and once we moved out of that duplex, the haze that came with believing in the hooded figure dissipated. I've thought about this story a lot since my childhood and gone back and forth on what I thought was real. My memories of that time are so murky, and knowing how unreliable memories can be, I can't be confident that the way I recall it today is exactly what happened. I've long thought that this was a manifestation of the fear and anxiety of a child who didn't fully comprehend the causes of gang violence. But if that's the case, my mind concocted something truly terrifying that I could comprehend. And in that way, the black hooded figure will always be real to me. <laughs> wow, that was pretty uh, terrifying. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> also super well-written. Thanks. Oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> I was expecting some, some thunder to go off at the end. I don't have that sound effect. I do have others today. Okay, though. good. You should think about being a narrator for audiobooks as well. Oh, I would love to do that. That's like a dream job. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like when you got to start a new hashtag. Where you at, Audible? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Send Laura to Audible. <laughs> so, Laura, I mean, it sounds like you're still pretty disturbed by all this. Oh, heck yeah. Hmm. Remembering that is probably, like I said, it's simultaneously something that sticks out, but is also super murky. So it's like hard to put my thumb on what I think actually happened. Right. But right. it still had a great impact on me. Jeez. All right, next week we'll have that hooded figure on for an interview. (laughs) Stay tuned. (laughs) All right, Pat, what's your story? So I guess a little background on it is I've been babysitting my younger cousins for, I mean, since they were a month old or so. So they move into this house, and this is when the kids, I think my younger cousin, she probably is about five or six, and I started to hear stories from them where... One of them wakes up to a little boy standing at the foot of their bed. And then as soon as he goes to like call for somebody, the boy disappears. Um, The other one of the other kids hears scratching inside of their closet where they open it. Nothing is there, but you close it and the scratching starts happening on the door again. Um, Many of these things, like the stories that the kids have said, their parents had even woken up to the poles on their dresser tinkling because they had the they wake mm-hmm. up and hear like from top to bottom them all tinkling in, in the middle of the night. I was about I think seventeen or so. I, I was babysitting the kids overnight. I was sleeping on their couch. I got up to go to the bathroom, not thinking of anything, and. As I'm walking through the living room to the bathroom, all I see is a little boy standing in the middle of their kitchen, just staring at me. No. (laughs) 
And I nope. checked on both the kids. They were both asleep. I walked back out. He was gone. So I went to pee. As I was getting back into like on like snuggling under the covers again, I saw him walking out of the kitchen again and down into the basement. What? And at that point, I was just like, okay. I don't know what to do with I don't know what to do right now. I'm just gonna get both of the kids. We're gonna make a little campfire in the living room, and that's gonna be the rest of the night. <laughs> oh God. So you really believe in ghosts then? Now. Or yeah, some spirit. For sure. yeah. Wow. Were you able to sleep that night? The rest of the night? I think so. I think I was just more worried. Like I kept glancing towards the kitchen and making sure that the kids weren't seeing anything, even though they had experienced their own things in the past. Mm-hmm. But it was still like me being just their babysitter. I'm like, what the hell is happening? I have no clue. <laughs> so, I mean, you quit that job, right? <laughs> well, their family, I kept babysitting forever. <laughs> but he would come with a gun. Every <laughs> no. every time after that. But I honestly, I I haven't heard, I think there was maybe one or two stories of it after that. And I haven't heard anything about the little boy in at least four or five years now. Mm. So. Oh, don't worry. He will rise again when you least expect <laughs> it. <laughs> and see, the thing is, kids in ghost stories, whether they're like living kids or ghost kids, are always the creepiest part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, both my encounters have been with children, so... Nope. Mm. Absolutely not. All right, Mark, let's hear yours. So mine was when I uh, lived in Savannah, the first time I went to college, and uh, this is right when I started to be in a band, so my sleep schedule was pretty all over the place, and I moved into this apartment uh, in downtown with my... Uh, well, it's more like it was more like Midtown with my uh, lead singer... And I noticed whenever I, well, not whenever, but a lot of times when I slept in that apartment, I would get sleep paralysis, which I've never had that before in my life. It's never Mm. happened before until I started sleeping there. And I would have like this reoccurring night terror where I would be sleeping on my back and I couldn't move and I would feel something getting closer to me, like getting closer and closer and closer. And once it got like the closest to me it felt you know that that uh feeling you get when somebody is gonna say something to you like when you're in a room Mm -hmm. with somebody and you're looking at them and you feel like they're gonna say something Mm -hmm. it's like that but it never they never say anything it just stops and then i wake up and it would happen every time there was one time in particular where i i was asleep and my roommate came home and my bed uh, was in the room right by the living room. So we shared a wall with the living room. And he heard like this rustling, like 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 the bed hitting the wall, like just it it making like this weird sound. So he and my room and my door was open. So he walked by my room and he saw me on my bed like shaking and he was like it it wasn't like you were having a seizure. It's, he said that it was like you were you were struggling to wake up. Like you were like, it's like mm. somebody was holding you down and you were trying to like get up. So it was like, I was in the middle of my sleep, sleep paralysis and my mind knew that I was having a sleep paralysis, you know, episode or whatever. So it was trying to like get itself up, but it couldn't because your body like mm-hmm. shuts itself down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. 
so he like he's like at first he was freaked out because he was like oh my god he's having a seizure and he like he has like a he he was in the military and he has some some medical background and he was like oh you're not having a seizure you're just having a you know sleep paralysis episode okay and he just left me there and i was like why didn't you wake me up and he was like i don't know he's like i don't know how sleep paralysis works i didn't want to wake you up and you know <laughs> make make something weird happen and i was like, okay whatever so that happens and it, it happens so much to where like i just go over friend's house sometimes and i'll just stay there all night like i'll be like oh, i'll just stay here and like we'll just hang out and drink all night and you know play games or whatever so i don't have to sleep in that room and then finally like a year and some change later i'm leaving and we're moving out i'm moving back up to atlanta and somebody informs me as i'm moving out that when i'm done cleaning out my stuff they're gonna go in and shoot like this this like amateur ghost hunting thing because apparently <laughs> somebody died in that apartment Ooh. and they were like gonna do i don't know if it was for scad but it was like for they were just having like a project where they're gonna do a ghost hunting thing and i was like okay i don't need to hear any more about this bye and that was it <laughs> and then ever since then, I've never had a sleep paralysis episode or anything. It was only there. So they haunted you, I guess, or they were just trying to tell me something in my sleep, and then they, you know, never got around to it. Uh, this story always reminds me of the Dear David story oh, a I... little bit. <laughs> Did y'all follow that on Twitter? No, I highly recommend it. Um, it's too much to go into for the episode, but just look up Dear David on Twitter. Just Google it. It's like a horror story told through Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's Ooh. terrible. Well, not terrible <laughs> as in bad quality. It's terrifying. I went through a phase, I guess you could call it, for like a year where, where I would have sleep paralysis and I would wake up and I just could not move and it was terrifying and mm-hmm. I was always afraid that one day I just would never be able to move again. I would just wake up and I would have absolutely no control over my body. Y'all want to know something creepy. Um, So in the Discord, JY told us sleep paralysis translates um, as ghost pressing body slash bed in Chinese. Oh, God. Isn't that just lovely? Yeah. That explains (laughs) a lot. Well, I think a lot of the time when people experience sleep paralysis, they feel like there's something sitting on their chest. Mm. So I think that's probably why. But for me, it's like specifically I try to move my arms, but I can't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just silently scream. I've only had it happen once and it was awful (laughs) because there were people in the room with me and I'm like in my head screaming like, wake me up. (laughs) (laughs) So we have stories from our listeners now. We'll start with this one from Elizabeth. My family and I moved into a house in Plymouth a few years ago. I had a room upstairs, and in my walk-in closet, there was a door that led to the attic above. After moving in, I started to hear noises coming from my ceiling. The best way I can describe this noise is it sounded like someone was knocking on the wall. There really wasn't any pattern to this knocking. After a few weeks of hearing the knocking stopping and starting at random times, I finally decided to do something about it. No, of course I didn't go into the attic. That's just crazy. I instead asked the sound to stop. I literally sat on my bed and asked the knocking to stop. (laughs) 
The knocking stopped abruptly, and I never heard the sound again. Nope. (laughs) Hey, maybe I think this was just a very polite ghost. Like the ghost didn't realize that it was causing trouble. Well, you know, maybe they just wanted some attention. They're like, notice me. Notice that I'm here. Knock, knock, knock. Yeah, then it's like, ooh, sorry, you didn't want to bother you. Right. (laughs) Pat, we should have tried this when my bathroom walls were knocking. It would have saved me a lot of money. Ooh, dang it, next time. Well, this next email is from Marissa. Marissa writes, back when I was going to school, we were informed that our lab was haunted. One day, me and my lab group were in lab, and we're all on one side of the room when our teacher decided to step out of the lab for a bit. Suddenly, one of the cabinet doors flew flew open. Mind you, they are glass sliding doors, so they can't just open on accident. Supplies were then thrown out of the cupboard onto the floor. My teacher then tried to get back into the lab, but the door had been locked. We were all freaking out. Another time, music started randomly playing in the classroom. The sink would randomly turn on sometimes. Another time in the lab when I wasn't there, a scalpel was thrown across the room. Our <laughs> listeners aren't <laughs> fucking with us, right? I no. mean, that's, that's so, wild. So I would have not taken that class anymore. I've been like, I'm changing my major. I would have written to the principal. I would have gotten my parents involved. I would have protested. I would have called Mythbusters, Ghostbusters, all the busters. Is this high (laughs) school or college? Either way, I'm getting my mom and dad involved. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, dad! And also, when the music was playing, I need to know what kind of music. Was this like, you know... Thriller! I know, right? Was it like early 80s greatest hits or like... I don't know. (laughs) Or like creepy parlor music. I know. She blinded me with science. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to stab him with a scalpel. My college kind of had some issues like this. So my college was um, established like in the Civil War era. And there are actually buildings on on that campus that were originally Civil War hospitals. So there was a lot of weird stuff that would happen there. And in my freshman dorm, there were all kinds of like weird things that happened, like doors flying open. Mm. Um, I definitely had bowls fly off a shelf one time when I was the only person in my room. And like they crashed on the floor and smashed everywhere. Like it was weird. And at the time, I tried very much to just chalk it up to there being some scientific explanation for it, which I'm sure there was, but it was creepy nonetheless. This one's from Sarah and she writes, we moved into my great grandparents' house and almost immediately weird stuff started happening. My son just turned two and we put him in his own bedroom. The first night we slept there, He tried to get up at midnight to go watch TV, and as he was trying to climb off our bed, something made him freeze. He looked behind him and dove forward under the covers and refused to come out. He never slept a full night in his own bed after that. We would hear footsteps when no one was walking around. There was a slamming coming from somewhere beneath the kitchen at the same time every night for a year and a half. My great-grandfather died in the kitchen. Oh. Uh, Yeah, that's that's (laughs) nice. Um. And one day our baby was distracted by something, by something in the kitchen and her brother told my husband that there was an old lady and an old man waving at him. Uh, my husband was pretty freaked out. 
When we finally moved under less than ideal circumstances, our son started sleeping through the night and stopped co-sleeping. Yeah, sleeping with them. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Uh, immediately, which was my biggest clue something was bothering him at night. He was sleeping in my great-great-grandma Miller's room, the room she died in. The night my grandfather died, I saw a ghostly form float past our sliding glass door like he was taking a last look. For a couple of months, I would smoke coffee in the middle of the night when I was up with the baby. She slept in the room furthest from the kitchen, and I don't brew coffee at 2 a.m., but I felt like he was there keeping me company while I worked to get the baby back to sleep. I never liked that house, and I was so happy to move out. Yeah, understandably. I I never understand, and like we've talked about this on the show before, but like, I don't think I could live in a house where I knew people died. Yeah, and that's the key, right? You got to avoid finding out that somebody's died there. But I think if it's family, it's a little different, right? Maybe. I think it depends on how they die. Since you knew who they were. Right. Like if it's just like they died of old age and they lived a good life, then I think that's okay. But if they were like viciously murdered somewhere. Oh, yeah, then fuck. Well, what you have to do is you have to move to a state that does not have disclosure laws around this kind of thing in real estate. So if you move somewhere where realtors aren't required to tell you if somebody was murdered in the house, then you'll never find out. But I want to know so I can know not to live there. What if it's a really good deal? You can still ask. No, but then one of the go- what if the ghost is like, hey, neighbor, and then that's it. If it's... Yeah. Well, then you find somebody who knows how to like do that like sage smudging, and then they can yeah, smudge your mom. house and be good. Every time I move oh, into yeah. a new place, my mom... Uh, comes and cleanses my house. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Does she utter some spells I, and shit? No, she just brings um the whatever plant sage. it is sage. that you have to burn. Yeah, the sage. Yeah. Um. So we'll just make sure that she does that in the next place we move to. It'll be okay. Oh, that's great. I would 100% come do over that to my in place? my like, forever home. This next one is from Melanie. She says, my favorite urban legend from when I was a kid is the tale of Black Aggie. I first heard it from another girl in elementary school when I was first getting into everything spooky and weird. Black Aggie was a sculpture of a woman draped in a shroud, which marked the grave of a witch. If you sat on her lap at midnight, she would either curse you or come to life and crush you to death. At the time, I thought it was a story kids in our school made up to scare each other. I later discovered that the story is a well-known local legend based on a real statue that used to reside in a Baltimore cemetery. After years of being vandalized and disturbed due to the legend, Aggie was relocated to Lafayette Square in D.C. Really shows how powerful a story spread by children and teens for generations can be. Yeah, to move the statue. That's so true, though, that those rumors and stuff, the amount of kids that will try to, like, figure it out lead to so many things. Like, my area, we're apparently, like, where I grew up, there's a werewolf called the Beast of Bray Road. And there's actually been movies made about the Beast of Bray Road because (laughs) the, like, folklore has gone so far. Huh. They're awful movies. They make Wisconsin sound like you're from the deep, deep, like, bumfuck South. But, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it is weird to see movies made about urban legends that you remember from childhood. Like, growing up in Texas, 
the urban legend of La Llorona, who, like the crying woman. Yeah. They made that into a movie recently. The movie was fucking garbage. <laughs> yeah, it was real bad. But that that story is so scary. It scared the shit out of me as a child. Yeah. Because there was always inevitably some adult around who would like jump out at you at the last minute in the story. <laughs> Assholes. Well, let's take a breather from these scary stories and all this spookiness to tell you about our next sponsor. They are a new sponsor, and they are perfect for those on your holiday shopping list. Lovebook. Lovebooks let you create a book that tells someone how much you care about them. This isn't just for someone you're in a relationship with. It could be for a family member or your family ghost as well. This is an incredibly unique gift. This is a real book completely personalized to your loved one, and it's so easy to create. What you do is create you and your loved one in a tool that looks like it's straight out of The Sims video games. Then you pick what type of book you want to create, like an anniversary book, a Father's Day book, a book for your best friend, an apology book, or just a simple reasons why I love you book, whatever. And it'll automatically populate the book with pages that work with the theme. Then you can customize the pages and have your characters doing and saying whatever you want. But if you don't want to get that granular, that's okay because Lovebook has already done the heavy lifting and the page design. Just make a couple minor tweaks with some inside jokes so it has your touch on it. The standard books come with 40 pages of love and appreciation. That's a lot. This is no joke. I am so impressed by this. I've had a lot of fun making my own book. And Laura, you actually made one of these for Mark a while back, right? Yeah, it was so funny when we heard we were getting Lovebook as a sponsor because I used them to make an anniversary book for Mark on our first anniversary. Aww. Aww. Yeah, and it was it's really fun and super personalizable. <laughs> um, I even included a couple of like inside jokes about like friendship dynamics that we have and also a reference to how Donald Trump is ruining America. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> Love book is not for yourself. It is always a gift. It is ideal for that special someone that really deserves a meaningful present. And you can't get more unique than this. This says, I thought about you and I thought about our relationship or our friendship. It's really awesome. Visit lovebookonline.com slash millennial to receive a special 20% discount only for our listeners. Again, visit lovebookonline.com slash millennial to receive a special 20% discount only for our listeners. Don't miss out on giving a loved one an incredibly unique gift this holiday season. This is a treasure that'll last a lifetime. And yes, Pat, I know you're wondering. I am making the book for you. I haven't completed it yet. Well, I know, but you're on, so I had to mention it. Thank you to Lovebook for sponsoring this week's episode of Millennial. All right, Pat, so you got the next story. Yeah, this one's kind of like a heartwarming spoopy. (laughs) Spoopy? (laughs) Spoopy. So Drew writes, Growing up, I had a cat named Sasha that was my best friend. I had her my entire life. My mom actually got her when she was pregnant with me. When I was 15, she got sick and passed away. She used to come around corners out of nowhere and brush up against my leg like most cats do. About a week after she passed away, I was standing in the kitchen and I swear I saw her in my peripheral vision come around from behind a kitchen island and brush up against my leg. It happened so quickly and felt so normal, I forgot for a second that she was actually dead. It was only for a second when I realized what had just happened. I looked around and she was gone. To this day, I believe that was her last goodbye to me. 
Aw, that's so sweet. Aww. Right. See, that's a that's a heartwarming spoop. But just the one visit. Yeah, that's what this is. Not get carried away. Yeah, that's that's all we need. <laughs> all right. This next one's from Amanda, and she writes. Uh, I grew up right by Salem, Massachusetts. Uh-oh. Yeah, I know. It's not a good start. And uh, not once had a ghostly encounter there. Oh. Okay. All right. <laughs> I moved to Ohio a couple years ago. In August, I helped run a catering event for my company. We service correctional facilities, and the Ohio wardens uh, held a meeting at the infamous Shawshank Prison. Oh, that's cool. I and two others set up the event and made use of a small kitchen to set up. Each time I went into this kitchen for more than a few minutes, I felt sick to my stomach and dizzy as though I were about to faint. As soon as I left the room, and I mean immediately, putting one foot out the door, I felt fine. There was barely any equipment in that kitchen. No gas stove, only refrigerator, a sink, and a table. I don't think I was being poisoned by a gas leak. Only myself and the other girl with me experienced this. Our male co-worker did not. I knew the place was said to be haunted before going in, but I didn't think it was my mind that made me experience this feeling. As I said before, I grew up in a super haunted area, knowing that it could have been full of spirits and not once did I feel anything like I what I felt that day at the reformatory. I think someone, something didn't want us women there and try to get us to leave. Hmm. So sexist ghosts. <laughs> sexist, they're just the worst. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty creepy. I don't know what else could that could be if not a ghost. I think there are a number of environmental factors that can contribute to people feeling things like dizziness and and nausea. But it is curious that it was only the females that felt it in this case Mm -hmm. and not any Mm -hmm. of the men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And only in that one room, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Well, Amanda, we're glad it hasn't returned for now. Now you need like an evil laugh in the background and like the sounds of lightning cracking. (laughs) These are Halloween sound effects I downloaded today. Somebody fake evil laughing. Really great, sir. (laughs) This next story is from Megan. My ghost story involves my haunted ass high school. Some backstory, my high school was built in 1903 and used to be a Catholic school slash dorm for girls. Back in 1913, hint, hint, a girl named Mary died in the dorms from a sudden sickness. I've seen her grave as she was buried in the nun cemetery. She was 13 years old. Everyone has had tales of experiencing her. Pennies with her death date rolling into their rooms when no one is in the school is the most consistent. (gasps) She is said to haunt the second floor of the school where... My story takes place. My mom used to work at my school and she was getting some work done for the school year. It was early August at this point, And I joined her to see where my classes would be. I decided I needed to pee and went to the second floor bathroom. Remember, it was still summer vacation. No one was there. I opened the door to the bathroom and I swear I hear someone crying. And then it was as if they gulped their sobs like they didn't want me to hear them. A heavy feeling swept over me. The hairs on my neck stood up. Someone was in there. Slowly, I opened each stall in the bathroom. No one was there. So I went into one of the stalls, ready to do my business, but was unable to move. The feeling was too heavy. I held my breath. Then, a crumpled piece of tissue was thrown into my stall from the one next to me. The one I had just finished looking into. Uh, I ran out of there faster than Trump runs to Twitter. (laughs) 
Thanks, guys. Stay spooky and stay out of the bathroom. Oh, my God. Nope. No, thank you. Yeah, so this takes place in a bathroom, and you're being haunted by a girl named Mary. Are we sure it's not Myrtle? (laughs) (laughs) I And the Penny thing, too. Penny's with her death date rolling into their rooms when no one is in the school. What? Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Oh, man. Absolutely not. That has... Yeah, I... That's crazy. But also, like... They buried a 13-year-old girl in the nun cemetery. Well, I guess it used to be a Catholic school, but still. (laughs) (laughs) What? Like, ew. (laughs) This is Mary. We just mic'd her. What if it was Bloody Mary? There's even a toilet sound in there. That one's perfect for this story. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And our final scary story for this episode comes from Carlene. Carlene writes, back in college, my best friend in high school would go ghost hunting with her parents. During a college break, I was home and went on a ghost hunt with them in a house in our small town. My friend's aunt lived next to the house and had been watching it for her neighbors who moved out after they couldn't deal with all the ghost things happening in the house. Voices, things moving, seeing figures, the kids having a little boy as an imaginary friend. At first, strange little things happened as we moved through the house. We kept finding dimes everywhere. What is it? Coins coins? again. (laughs) We kept finding dimes everywhere, but then they would move or be in piles when we returned to the room. The covers on the bed kept being turned down. Then we went upstairs to where the kids' rooms had been. This doesn't sound real, but I swear to you, a door slowly opened and a ball rolled from inside the room to the hallway where we were standing. Then we heard the voice of a little boy, and he was speaking with the group of us. He wanted to sing a song with us. (laughs) Nope. We sang the ABCs with him. Why? I I swear this happened. I can't explain it. And oddly, I wasn't scared. Later, my friend's parents did more research on the property and found out that decades earlier, the house on the land had burned down and a young boy had died there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, this is awful. Oh, God. You know what, though? It's so cool. And that you weren't scared either, Carlene. You just had this moment take over you and you were like, yeah, this is right. This is. This is what needs to happen right now. And that poor boy just wanted to sing a song and you did it with him. So good on you. I'm just imagining the ABCs being sung to a really creepy, like, twinkly tune. Like, A, B, C, Z, E, F, G. And then, like, a demon pops out from the darkness. A, B, C, D is for dead. (laughs) Or they're just really uncomfortably long pauses, like A, B, C. <laughs> the ghost is like, it's your turn now. <laughs> oh, Say the next letter. I know you can. <laughs> <laughs> I you would can love do. to have a genuine interaction with a ghost like that, though. You know what? I do, too. Because I want to believe that ghosts are real. I want to really badly. And like these Why? stories have convinced me, I I just want to have that experience, Laura. 
Unless it's Casper or Boo from Mario, I'm good. <laughs> I have never had an experience that led me to believe that intelligent hauntings are real, but I definitely believe in the scientific variety. Like the idea that certain natural compounds in our environment can serve as these like natural recorders. Mm-hmm. That I believe in totally. The idea of an intelligent haunting, I'm not totally sold. But these stories, I think, might have moved the needle for me a little bit. Yeah, they they did for me. I trust our listeners. The closest I ever got to speaking with, with a ghost was through a Ouija board, but it was just my cousins fucking with me, moving the that magnifying glass themselves. I sorry, have a legit not... <laughs> Ouija board story, though, if I can oh my God. tell it. Yeah, let's hear yeah, it. Yeah, tell it. Hold on, okay, let me cue up so... the scary music again. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so I was in high school, and I went to my girlfriend's house at the time. So the two of us were in her room, sitting on her bed, and we had gone to Spencer's, and we were like, okay, we're going to buy this Ouija board. It glows in the dark. It's going to be great. Thinking, you know, a glow-in-the-dark Ouija board, not going to work. So we're sitting on her bed, and we're like, okay, let's follow the instructions, call out, ask if anyone's there, wait for the response. The thingy starts moving. I can't remember what it's called. It starts moving. It's spelling out that we're talking to a little boy who is nine years old, and his name is William. And he had died from smallpox. So we're, both of us are thinking the other one's fucking with each other. So we both let go of the little thingy-mabob at the same time. <laughs> and it kept spelling out smallpox. No, shut up. <laughs> which is why we both freaked the fuck out, said goodbye, because you're supposed to say goodbye. Otherwise, you don't like close off the connection and then the spirit can get you. Oh, shut shit. up. This is a Milton bum, Bradley bum, bum, board bum. game. Stop. Andrew, but it do you worked. Not, <laughs> do you not remember our Ouija board experience? Yeah, but you were you were pushing the letters. No, I Y'all wasn't. faked it. <sighs> no, we didn't. All right. And to top it all off, we never said goodbye. So we never <laughs> We never closed the, the portal. It's still open to this well, day. Well, babe, it was nice dating you. I'll see you later. <laughs> No, the creepy thing about our instance, though, was we were talking to an infant or like a young baby that told us it died of sudden infant death syndrome. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) So I have a funny tidbit about Ouija boards. For the longest time up until like, what, two years ago, I always thought that Ouija boards, because of how they were spelled, were pronounced ooyah boards. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, like, let's talk to the spirits. Yeah, because yeah, like I, I didn't, I've, I, I guess I didn't hear people, like I, I never saw somebody see the word and say Ouija. So when I heard people, like I knew they were called Ouija boards, but like there was one called, they're like I was watching a movie and it was like, you know, Ouija whatever, and I'm like, oh, you guys want to watch ooyah? Mm-hmm. And everyone was like. Would you want to watch what? You know, ooh yeah, it's right there. I love that the Ouija board is actually doing some real, real shit. That's just fantastic, Pat. I thought when you were telling that story about you doing this with your girlfriend, it was going to spell out you're actually gay. <laughs> no, though we did make out after that. That was a Ouija board a few years later. <laughs> but yeah, that was the most like terrifying thing, just seeing it keep spelling after we had both let go and there's nobody else in the room or the house. Mm-hmm. 
so there's legit no other way that it could not have been like not a spirit. Before I move on, Chelsea in the Discord was asking if we could make some recommendations for good Halloween movies. Ooh. I have a horror movie that I really love. You have to be willing to watch some gore with it. It's called The Collector. And to me, it's like if Home Alone and the Saw movies had a baby. Hmm. It's re- right. it's really short. Like they had to make the credits like twelve or fifteen minutes long to make it be able to go into theaters. Um, wow! And most of it is silent because it's like a jewel thief trying to save a family while the murderer is in the house. So there's hardly any dialogue in the entire movie. But it is one of the like most intense movies. And one of the only horror movies where I left the theater actually like kind of freaked out. So I, like I said, I'm really into a lot of horror classics. So anything John Carpenter, um, it is a little bit cliche, but I will be watching the original Halloween (laughs) at some point between now and Thursday. I love that movie. Um, Also, big fan of Hitchcock. You really can't go wrong. Um, we have watched some good stuff on Amazon, actually, mm-hmm. like Suspiria. Like if you want something oh, that's fucking disturbing, that movie is disturbing as yeah. hell. And if you're really uncomfortable, dis- you're going to talk disturbing. Let's not forget Hereditary. Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> yeah. If I was going to recommend some to watch over the Halloween, uh, season, I'd say, Hereditary, uh, Strangers, the first one. Although the second one is pretty funny. So if you're in for like to get kind of a thriller with some laughs, then the second one, Strangers 2, is pretty good as well. Um, and 1308, I'd have to say. I think mm-hmm. 1308 is like one of my favorite horror movies just because the premise is so like – is because it's like a room. Like it's, there's not one thing in the room that's the monster. Like the room is the monster. Hmm. You know, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, Hole in the Ground. It's mm. kind of a stupid title, but the movie was actually pretty good. If you're looking yeah. for something maybe a little more obscure. Um, and if you're looking for something like super campy and just like totally shitty but funny, Bad Ben. <laughs> oh, Bad Ben. <laughs> I almost forgot about that. What a gem that movie is. <laughs> so in the spirit of halloween i thought we could do some wtf news stories some of these aren't really wtf news but you can kind of fit them under the wtf news umbrella this story just broke on monday a woman in iowa died during a gender reveal announcement after flying debris from an explosion from what amounted to a homemade pipe bomb struck her The pipe bomb was supposed to be part of the gender reveal announcement, but obviously it went terribly wrong. The woman was 56 years old. She died instantly after she was struck in the head by a piece of metal from a device that was intended to reveal the sex of the baby. Members of the family were experimenting with different types of explosive material on Friday and Saturday in an attempt to record a gender reveal that could be posted on social media for friends and family. 
great. Did they find out the gender, though? (laughs) (laughs) You know, the New York Times did not reveal the gender, so I guess we're going to have to go to their next gender reveal party. But holy shit. Uh, I'll take a pass. They're celebrating the birth of a baby and somebody dies because they wanted to create a social media moment. That is really unfortunate and you know why didn't you know, my sister did one of these explosion things earlier this year but for some reason it didn't kill anybody so maybe just stick with the ones you can buy on amazon or wherever you buy these things yeah we were just talking about how stupid well not stupid that gender reveals are but the lengths that a lot of people are going to mm-hmm. to create a spectacle it's just so dumb just stop like you don't need to blow things up yeah right. there was a guy last year who started a wildfire because of yep. one like come on people yep caused eight million dollars in damage <laughs> Forty-five thousand acres burned <laughs> to reveal that a baby was a boy or a girl great i hope they named that kid ember <laughs> i was gonna say i hope that baby decides to change its gender <laughs> so it was all for nothing <laughs> so there was a pretty disturbing new report this week If you Uber or Lyft this Halloween, maybe consider helping out your driver because a new study of 40 million Uber rides has found that 60% of Uber passengers never, never tip their driver. Only 1% always tip, and women drivers are tipped up to 12% more than male drivers. These numbers were shocking to me. 1% always tip, 60% literally never that's pretty awful. That explains why I have so many bad experiences with Uber. Because they don't think you're going to tip? Yeah, they're probably never getting tipped. And so they're like, well, fuck it. I'm not going to be good at this. Like, why would I waste my time? But we've spoken about tipping on the show, I think, previously. And Laura, didn't you say you do it pretty regularly? I always tip. Always. You're in the 1%. Mm-hmm. You claim to be in the 1%. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't um, know if I believe I mean, you. I always tip if I actually got the ride. (laughs) Like over the weekend, I actually had two Uber drivers cancel on me because they refused to follow a detour um, to get on my road because one end of my road has construction happening on it right now. You're still having that problem? Yes. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And but literally this girl called me and... I had, mind you, I had messaged her like 20 minutes previously because she was completing a ride on her way to get me. And I was like, hey, just so you know, there's a detour going on the side of the street. The app's going to try to take you through is closed. Follow this. And also there are bright orange signs telling you where to go. Mm -hmm. And a few minutes later, she called me and she was like, um, your street is closed. (laughs) Like I was the fucking idiot. Yeah. And I was like, um. Well, I actually messaged you about 20 minutes ago telling you there's a detour to follow. This is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, I'll see if I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then hung up on me and then just canceled the ride. And then Uber charged me a cancellation fee. What? <laughs> yeah. Did you did you dispute it? Yes, I did. Okay, good. So I have a couple theories as to why 60% never tip. For starters, it just involves money. You don't have to tip, so you're going to save a couple bucks by not tipping. It's almost like getting a little discount. And then I also just feel like it's because Uber brings up the tipping option after your ride is complete. And I think a lot of people are not looking at that Uber app after you get out of the car. So some time may pass before you're actually looking at it again. And then you're like, why the hell should I tip? That was like 
three hours ago, six hours ago, yesterday, a week ago. There's no point in me tipping now. It's in the past. Yeah, but people take the time to rate their rides. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And the tip is part of that sequence. But we don't know how many people do that. Yeah, there's a lot of times where I completely forget to even open the app after a ride. And and then I get an email saying how much I was charged like a few days later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in the Uber vehicle, you're killing time by looking at other apps on your phone. So you don't have the Uber app open. And then when you open up your phone after the ride is complete, the Uber app is already 10 apps deep. So you just don't think about it. I, I, I bet that's part of the reason why people don't tip. And then, like I said... Saving a little money. So do you think if Uber improved their user experience in the app that people would tip more? Yeah. What if like, why don't you encourage people to turn on an auto tip setting where you just automatically tip 10%, 15%, 20%? I think that could help a lot. Yeah. That's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. I'll admit that I'm one of the people that never tips. Oh my <laughs> God, Pat. Haven't you told... <laughs> Haven't you told? There's two instances where I will always tip. It's been where, like, if Andrew and I have taken Brooklyn to like our dog days bar thing, and I've gotten the Uber, I'll always tip if there's a pet in the vehicle. Um, and then I usually tip if I'm super drunk and on the way home from a concert and can have a good conversation with the person driving me. Mm -hmm. But then only if it's a woman. What? I've never tipped a male driver, I don't think, unless Brooklyn's been in the car. Wow. And we have both driven for Uber. So that's especially odd. I know. And I don't think I ever got a tip when I was driving for Lyft or Uber. So funnily enough, people tip more between the hours of 3 to 5 a.m. So when they're coming home drunk from a long night out. (laughs) Which is usually how I tip because I'm like, oh, I'm drunk. Great. Here we go. I have money. And then also people tip more on Fridays and Saturdays at 6 p.m., which is oddly specific, but okay, that's what the data says. I wonder if it's because of rush hour. I tip for longer rides usually. I can't justify tipping for the shorter rides unless they're super friendly. And I know in my experience, along with my friend's experience, who was also an Uber driver, if you're friendlier to them... They will definitely tip because you're kind of building a relationship with them during that drive. And then they leave and they're like, oh, that was that was a good time. Let me tip them an extra buck. And by the way, 100% of that tip goes to the driver. Uber does not get a cut of that. So that's good. I feel like an asshole, but I'm also being honest. Yeah, you should. Well, thank you for your honesty. It's a good (laughs) opportunity to change your ways. Yeah, don't be a dick anymore. (laughs) And I do think like it, it, like what Andrew suggested, if they did have that automatic tip just put in that you could choose the amount, I think mm-hmm. that would be a really good idea. Doesn't Uber Eats have that? I don't no, know. No, Uber Eats lets you tip ahead of time, though. Oh, okay. And then you can change it afterwards. I feel like that's mm-hmm. better. All right, Laura, you have a couple WTF news stories for us as well, right? Yeah. So this first one uh, comes out of Florida. So we get to start the Enough story said. with a, a Florida man. Oh, boy. <laughs> A Florida man was charged with attempted premeditated murder for trying to set child molesters on fire at a motel. Oh, hmm. nice. <laughs> so after like he legit. was arrested, the, yeah, this this gentleman told the police that he wanted to, quote, barbecue all the child molesters and kill them. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Two of his alleged victims are convicted sex offenders. Okay. Um, this man stormed a room at the friendly village inn in Kissimmee, screaming, I'm going to kill you, child molester. <laughs> he poured gasoline outside a motel room and broke a window so that he could pour gasoline inside the room. Um, he also smashed into someone's car and poured gasoline all over it. He also carried a lit cigarette with him while he was making all of these threats in this gasoline-soaked <laughs> scene. And then when he was grilled on why he didn't torch the room, uh, this Florida man told police they, quote, got there too soon. <laughs> I actually appreciate this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, arson and attempted murder are not great, but child molesters, I would argue, are worse. <laughs> I think, yeah, this is not WTF news. This is good news. It's it's like good news, but it exists in like the WTF terrain. Mm -hmm. Sure. You yeah. Know? We're on the line there. Yeah. Kind of like our next couple of stories. So remember Brexit? <laughs> yeah. Hasn't that oh, happened? Yeah, that little thing. That thing. So you know how they've extended the deadlines like 8,000 times? Yeah, then Boris Johnson said he'd rather be dead than extend it again. <laughs> what happened? Well, guess what? It's been extended again. Oh. So he's dead. So... <laughs> <laughs> so Brexit was supposed to occur on Halloween on October 31st, and it has been extended to January 31st of 2020. Spooky. And <laughs> Boris Johnson is also vying to try and get an early election so that he can win a majority and then potentially ram this shit through with less opposition. I'm thinking Brexit is never going to actually happen. It just yeah. keeps getting pushed back every time. <laughs> and it seems like the majority of people over there no longer want it so there's not a lot of public pressure to get it done yeah i mean based on this brexit i mean the vote happened before trump was elected yeah this right. was in summer of 2016 yeah i was over there right before the vote i wore an i'm in sticker because i knew this would be a bad idea and look what happened look what happened when mm -hmm. they didn't listen to me watch though it'll fail a few more times then they'll change the name of it to something else something that sounds more appealing but with the exact same thing and try it all over again new brexit <laughs> okay well that's got the same name in it so. but it's new it's fresh <laughs> and our final piece of what the fuck news um, comes out of our own country. So Representative Katie Hill of California has announced her resignation from the House of Representatives. She is one of the freshman representatives who was elected in this most recent wave in 2018. Um, she announced this resignation amidst news of an affair with her staffer, as well as potentially hundreds of revenge porn photos being leaked by her ex-husband that GOP operatives now have a hold of. So she has decided to resign um, in the face of a lot of slut shaming and horrible double standards. Meanwhile, House members uh, or Republican House members took cell phones and other devices into what is known as a skiff room, which is a sensitive compartmented information facility where closed door testimony was happening in relation to 
the Trump impeachment. That is a pretty serious um, rule to break in the House. And so we've got like dozens of these like white male Republican House representatives who were able to do this, and none of them are facing any kind of consequences for it. Meanwhile, a woman is being forced out of her job. Yeah. Because, you know, she had sex with somebody. Well, yeah. Well, her and her husband were involved in a thruple. Isn't that fun? Oh, I oh mean, who, a thruple. Who cares? They, they were married and they brought one of her staffers into the relationship. Oh, like a, a female staffer. Like a unicorn? I don't know what you're saying, but. Well, I think a unicorn would imply that this person was okay with not being gratified, but gratifying the couple. Mm. I think a thruple is more of um, a polyamorous thing, if I, right. I yeah. recall I correctly. Mean, as long as the staffer wasn't being blackmailed and everything was consensual across the board, mm-hmm. this shouldn't be an issue. And it, yeah. wa- it was consensual. And I right. think Miss Hill's issue was that she thought it was a distraction and she wouldn't get past this. But I think this would have been one of those situations where if she stuck it out, it would have blown over and everything would have been fine. That said, like Laura mentioned, her husband was was blackmailing her with these photos, so that's really unfortunate. But hey, she was he was going to run out of photos at some point, I would assume. So yeah, it's humiliating and embarrassing. Um, but just stick it out. I mean, you have a great opportunity here. You were one of the star players. People were really excited about you in the house, and then it just all comes crashing down. I don't know. I don't know. I think she rushed into it. I don't think she was actually breaking any rules, right? Because this relationship was before her term started. She purposely broke it off because she wanted to focus more on her on her job. Unfortunately, the standards for men and women are just different here. I mean, yeah. Bill Clinton perjured himself about getting a blowjob. Hey, everybody. And, and kept his job. <laughs> Donald Trump has multiple counts of rape and sexual assault against him. And nobody is using that to try and put, like, you know what I mean? It's not even yeah what the Democrats are focusing on anymore with him. And I think it would be much harder for a woman to move past this in professional politics than a man. Um, I think that, for one, being a female makes it harder for her, but being a Democrat makes it harder because the Republican Party is like okay with um, people's sexual proclivities on their side of the aisle. Mm -hmm. I look at, you know, the First Lady of the United States who literally did porn. Um, (laughs) And that's okay, and everybody's fine with it, and they love to call her classy. But the second that somebody who's not a part of their sports team does it, then it's no longer okay. And I think that they would slut-shame her career into the ground, which is why yeah, I think she called it quits before they had the chance to do that. I think you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andrew, could you do your uh, Bill Clinton impersonation again? That was pretty great. Oh, Miss Katie, you brought a third into the relationship. That's pretty cool, I think. <laughs> you want me to bring over some cigars and we'll have a good time? You looking for a fourth? <laughs> Maybe a fifth? Maybe I can talk Hillary into it. Oh, thank you for that. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm always down to party. Well, 
after all these spooks, I think we need to relax a little bit. And one way I'm going to do that is to just untuck. Oh, wait, I don't have to because I'm already wearing one of my Untuck It shirts. The holidays are almost here. And you know what that means? Gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, Untuck It shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untuck It shirts always fall at just the right length, no matter his size, so he looks casual and sharp. With Pat living with me now, we obviously share a closet, and I think he uses my Untuck It shirts more than I do. You love them, Pat, right? I do. Also, plus side of of being gay, you get to double your wardrobe. (laughs) But... The Untucked shirts are super comfortable. I know Andrew has one of the flannel ones, and it is such a good flannel where it's nice, it's heavy, it doesn't feel like it's going to fall apart when you wash it, which is great because I like solely wear flannels when it becomes fall. So it's really good quality and super comfortable. Yeah. And and we like how they fit. And I know, Pat, you wear them to work pretty often. They're just, they're really great. It's It was such a simple yet genius idea and of course untuck it has that unbeatable name with more than 50 fit combinations untuck it shirts look great on tall short slim and athletic guys of all ages so whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart relaxed style of your own untuck it is the way to go visit untuckit.com and use code m-i-l-l for 20 percent off at checkout that's u-n-t-u-c-k it.com and promo code M-I-L-L, as in you will look like a million bucks in your Untuck It shirt for 20% off. Laura, holiday gift idea for Mark. What makes you think I haven't already gotten some for him? Oh, Oh, have you? Spoilers. All right. Now, before we wrap the show for today, I thought we could do a would you rather, but we could make it like a spooky version. Ooh, okay. So would you rather panel... Be haunted by a ghost for the rest of your life or be the ghost haunting someone for the rest of their life. Oh, be a ghost hands down. Nope. I would rather be haunted by a ghost for the rest of my life because haunting somebody else for the rest of their life sounds exhausting. Well, I mean, it's a lot of work. Every day you got to wake up and go, Ooh, how am I going to spook them today? Here's the thing, though. But you're dead already. If you're haunting somebody, you can't be consistent because the more consistent you are, the more used to it they get. So you just got to do random shit and you can spend the rest right, of the so day. So you just... got to come up with something new every day. Well, no, you, you don't. You can just be like, all right, today I'm going to do something. Then don't do anything for weeks. So they get all nice and comfortable. Then you get them. Right? Like, <laughs> perfect. And plus, mm. I mean, you're a ghost. You can get into a whole bunch of mischief as a ghost. Be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can fly. You can walk through yeah. doors. We've all watched Danny Phantom. We know how this goes. (laughs) So that's your answer too, Pat? Well, I was on the fence, but Mark has convinced me. Oh, okay. So yeah, I'm going to haunt your ass when I die before you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like neither choice reflects anything positive about you. Uh, I guess I'd rather be the ghost. Because I can choose how I'm going to haunt somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah. Yep. So I could choose not to be a dick. Exactly. You could just do little things like, ooh, I left your milk out. Oh. 
or like spell rude things on the fridge with the magnets right. <laughs> or if suck. you really like the person you have to haunt maybe you could help them out like dust for them that would be me i would just clean a bunch now if i got to haunt donald trump that would be epic oh i'd shove his ass down the stairs in a heartbeat <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, Pat, I hate you. I didn't touch it. Shut up. No, I 100% all of our lights just went out. <gasps> you did it. You Shut up. No, I pinky promise. <laughs> all the lights in the house just went out. You're fucking with me. I'm not even no, scared. No, I pinky promise because I was just so going to say, rude. are you fucking with me? If Siri you probably. You guys, still have, you guys still have power though. Yeah, we still have power. Maybe Siri heard one of us and thought we said turn all the lights off. Mm. Ghost won't get me. Well, that was a weird ending, If as long as Pat's not lying to me. No, I 100%. <laughs> um, all right. Well, <laughs> time now for some recommendations. I want to recommend a little-known iPhone feature, Announce Caller. So let's say you're sitting on the couch and your phone is across the room and it starts ringing. Well, who's calling? Is it the ghost who's been haunting you? Is it a family member? Is it somebody you don't care about? With announced caller turned on, Siri will say the caller's name out loud as soon as it starts ringing. So you know exactly who's calling. I just find it very convenient. And like I said, it's a little known feature. So to access it, you just go to settings, then phone, then turn on announced caller. I'll have to do that. Yeah. Um, I would like to recommend a podcast called Haunted Places, which I've mm-hmm. talked about on the show before. But during the month of October, they've had an urban legend series where they're releasing a new episode every day during the month of October that covers a different urban legend, its history, and sort of like what the implications of that legend are, what they mean psychologically, historically, and a number of other things. It's really, really cool. Um, I wanted to recommend making your own soups this fall and winter. Mm. Um, Yesterday, I made a tomato basil soup with cheese tortellini and Italian sausage. And it's super good, super easy. And I think making your own soups at home is so much healthier than buying like cans of soup or anything like that because you can control the amount of sodium you're putting into it. Because most of those canned soups are just chuck full of sodium and, and other things like that. So, yeah, find recipes, experiment, create your own, combine recipes, just make your own soups. It's great. It was a good soup. I recommend the indie game Mr. Hops. Ooh, that's a good one. There is a, a bunch of playthroughs. Uh, the most, the one that we watched was uh, our boy Markiplier playing uh, uh, Mr. Hops. And it's it's very retro. It looks like a Super Nintendo game. And you're just there this little girl in your house trying to go to your parents' room and there's just these toys everywhere and there's a giant life sized or like a Chuck E. Cheese sized rabbit walking around your house. And if you make too much noise, it'll come get you and it is haunting. Oh my gosh. That does sound yeah. terrifying. Yeah, we were actually screaming at a couple of points watching it. (laughs) Thank you to everybody who is joining us live on Patreon tonight. We live stream every recording we do, so you get early access to each episode. You can also sound off as we are recording. And we incorporated some of that feedback on today's episode. Just go to patreon.com slash millennial. That's where you can pledge. We really appreciate your support. Get this, y'all. I am speaking 
at a Patreon event this weekend. Oh, really? Yeah, here in Chicago, I get I get to share my wisdom with that's cool other creators. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. They're buying us dinner. They're even offering to pay me. I didn't even ask for that. I'm like, yeah, sure. And I just sit there on a panel with four other people. Pretty good deal. Huh. Anyway, uh, patreon.com slash millennial is where you can pledge. It really helps keep the show going. Uh, it lets us keep the show a priority in our lives. It lets us devote as much time as possible to it. And in exchange, we give you lots of benefits, including The Landy Show. Laura and I just recorded a new episode, which is available right now. We'll also be doing another breaking news in the days ahead. I need to go and look for some sage because after the lights going off, <laughs> I don't know, man, something's weird. I still think Pat's screwing with me. I need to look him in the eye and see if he was lying about the lights or not. I pinky promise. And that is the strongest promise you can make. How could that possibly happen on this episode of all episodes? I have no clue. <sighs> Laura. Millennial that, is now haunted. Get that Ouija board. We need to close the portal. <laughs> we need to close it already. If you would like to get in touch with us about today's episode, we'd love to hear from you. Millennialshow at gmail.com is how you can contact us. We also have the contact form on millennialshow.com. And also do follow us on social media. We're about to crack 1,000 followers on Instagram. So can you help us get there? Just type in Millennial Show on Instagram and you will be able to follow us. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Mark. And I'm Pat. Bye, everybody. I am the one hiding under your bed. Teeth ground sharp and eyes glowing red. I am the one hiding.